I am Plata on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Working a so-called regular job, like a 9-to-5 job, might not be conducive to those who deal with chronic pain. Alison Tedford, who had a career in the federal government, following in the footsteps of others in her family, found once she left that so-called stability, she was able to make a better life and do better financially, professionally, and personally. She has written about her experiences in a new book, Chronic Profit, Building Your Small Business While Managing Persistent Pain. In the book, she chronicles her story, her experiences, talking frankly about her pain, as well as the good and bad experiences as an entrepreneur. She covers strategies at work for any kind of entrepreneur. In the case of Allison, she's a writer, and she talks about the services she offered, nearly everything, before she realized it was better to be a specialist than a generalist, as she could marshal her hours and maximize profits. She talks about self-care and its importance, as well as when to ask for help. Allison Tedford has been struggling with chronic pain for a number of years as a result of joint hypermobility syndrome. She's an advocate for health and mental health and indigenous health issues. She's written for publications including the CBC, Al Jazeera, and Today's Parent. Her website is at allisontedford.com and her Twitter handle is at Allie Spins. This new book is published by Self Council Press. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Allison Tedford. Ms. Tedford, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you write in the book that, that after a number of years in the public sector, uh, working for the federal government, you moved into the private sector and your own business. Um, that seems like a leap, for a, lo- a big leap for, for a lot of people. Um, was it something that you, you couldn't have imagined doing, say, earlier in your life? Um, definitely not. I mean, I, I started working with the Canadian federal government before I was old enough to sign the security clearance form. Mm. Um, so, and because it's something that my family has always done, I really couldn't imagine a life where I wasn't working for the government. It was yeah. um, not something I had really thought of, but um, life just turned out to be a different way. There's a moment in the book where you, you uh, I guess you were working with someone who did what you did at one point, and, and you watched them, and, and um, uh, you saw what they did, and I guess that probably inspired you to, to take the leap yourself, right? Yes, definitely. I could see that she could rearrange her life and do what she wanted to do, and, and then it didn't seem so hard, and, and I had access to ask her questions and things about the best way to go about it, and she supported me in that journey, which was so helpful. So we're living in a time of uncertainty, you know, with, with the pandemic and the sort. Um, is there a right time to do something like, like you did? Um, I mean, for me, I had the benefit of after, you know, over a decade in the Canadian federal government, um, I was able to transfer out my pension so that I had a cushion available mm-hmm. so that if things didn't go as well as I hoped, I had funds to draw from while I made a new plan. And then I also built it while I was still working. Mm, so I, I was stepping into a position where I was running a business that already generated as much money as my job did. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, um, there wasn't a, a big drop there um, to plan for. So I think, I mean, having a plan, building slowly behind the scenes is super valid. But I mean, even in the context of a pandemic, like when it first started, I lost half my business the first week and it was mm. terrifying. Mm-hmm. But I found different markets and different people to serve and was able to not only restore it to where it was, but actually double it. 
So as much as it is a difficult time, there's still money out there and there's still people who are doing business. And it's really positioning yourself to be able to support them in what they need to do. You may just realize as one reads the book that um, having a regular job, if you will, working uh, for the government as you did, um, that, that that wasn't conducive to, to say, managing the symptoms of, of, of chronic pain. Um, now you were able to do that because you can work on your, you know, on your own schedule, if you will. Um, do you think workplaces in general need to do better in terms of, of say, uh, realizing that, that their uh, employees are in pain? Um, yeah, I think that we need to be um, a little bit more thoughtful about how we accommodate people, how we measure performance, what kinds of parameters we let people operate in. I think the pandemic and the kind of move to work from home for safety reasons mm-hmm. gave some opportunities for people to rethink performance metrics and rethink hours of work, particularly as many people who are working from home are also juggling parental responsibilities and school. So there was this need for flexibility that we figured out how to accommodate in a lot of cases. And being able to take those lessons and apply them to accommodating your chronic pain employees, like that's that's something that we can do. And I think that's one of the major frustrations that people with chronic pain felt in watching, you know, the whole world move to work from home Mm -hmm. after, you know, so long of advocating for that kind of flexibility and being told it can't be done. And lo and behold, it can be done. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you made the leap to being an entrepreneur, did you find that your your not only your productivity increased, but your creativity as well? Um, yeah, in a lot of ways. I didn't have the same constraints on my time um, in that I wasn't required to be somewhere for eight hours a day. I didn't have to put emotional and intellectual energy into meeting specific standards um, for a, a day job as well as serving my clients. Uh-huh. And it let me operate where I work best, how I work best, when I work best. So when you, when you started your own business, um, the fascinating um, ideas that, that you give in the book is to, to experiences that you had that, that, that uh, uh, didn't work out and that, that might be instructive to people. Um, when you write about marketing yourself and, and, and the services that one has on offer, um, you say that um, for a while there you did everything. For, for for nearly everybody, um, and and that you learned was not manageable. So the idea of being a specialist rather than a generalist is that is that something right off the bat that one has to say consider? Um, it's worth considering if you know what you want to do. If you're moving into a new field, I mean, I was moving from the public service into the private sector, and into marketing specifically. I really had to think about what do I enjoy doing, and I wasn't sure because I hadn't done those things yet. So while it wasn't the most lucrative approach to begin trying all the things for all the people, and it definitely wasn't a sustainable approach, it at least gave me some level of direction as to what I enjoyed and what worked Mm -hmm. for me. But if you already know, like, and I would have been better positioned to move in laterally and own my expertise in the areas that I've, I've worked in and work as a consultant at that level instead of working my way up from the bottom. So I think there's lots of ways to approach it, but definitely specialization is a way to optimize um, your revenue um, and keep your incoming leads really focused to what it is that you want to do. And managing your time, too. I mean, um, when you're doing everything uh, for everybody, um, 
you, you found that you didn't have the hours in the day to, to, to do it all, right? Yeah, well, and there's lots of task switching and decision fatigue that comes from that in terms of trying to identify, like, what goes first and what priorities um, need to take precedent and really sometimes coming from completely different brain spaces, mm. like, can be exhausting. Yeah. So... Oh. Yeah, so you also talk about self-care and the importance of that. I mean, we hear that phrase, self-care, a lot. In terms of what works for you on a daily basis, I mean, it's obvious that your best work comes from when you take care of yourself. What have you found useful in terms of things that probably we don't think about that are important that we should consider in our day? Sleep, 100%, <laughs> is the most important thing to me right. as a human yeah. because it helps me manage my pain. My uh-huh. pain is lower. I have better re- emotional resources to deal with pain. I, my body can heal when it's getting rest. Uh-huh. My brain gets a break, right? Like sleep. I invested in a, an adjustable bed, okay. a heated mattress pad, yeah. and those were, you know, some of the best business investments that I made this year. And this this past few years, because really getting that quality sleep was really important. Yeah, I laughed um, nervously as you said that because that's a that's that's one of my problems is not getting enough sleep uh, and enough good sleep. Because I mean, I I find on the weekend when when I when I do have time off, um, I take a lot of naps. But then at the same time, you know, I mean, they're great. But at the end of the day, I don't know if they're useful, if you will. Yeah, I definitely take naps in the afternoon when I need to uh-huh. um, and just take a break because sometimes my body just needs it, especially because I have to take a lot of antihistamines or allergies mm. and it kind of saps my energy. Yeah. What, um, you write about meditation. Did you find that useful? Or do you find it useful, I should say? Yeah, I find it can be really helpful. I used um, the Calm app and I worked with a meditation teacher um, who is in the book, uh, Wendy Raymond. And, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that can be helpful for slowing down because there's so much push to, like, do things fast and get ahead and hustle. And being able to just intentionally carve out space to opt out of that and calm things down can be really grounding. That's the other thing that, because, uh, you know, we hear the word meditation and we think it's one thing. But you, as you write in the book, you have to find the right teacher, right, or the right method. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually did a chocolate meditation one time oh. with a, um, a therapist at, at a trade show. And, you know, even just taking a moment to, you know, we took the chocolate in our mouth and analyzed, like, what did it feel like? What does it taste like? Like, really just being very mindful and present in that moment. Something as simple as that can really clear some space and get you back where you need to be mentally. The other thing that, that I was thinking about is, as I was reading your book is, I mean, you're working for yourself, essentially. But um, there are times where you need to learn to delegate. You need to ask for help. Um that's something for for a lot of people that's hard to do. What what have you found useful in terms of of say letting go in that sense? Well, I tend to look at like, am I the best person to do this? Does it need to be me personally? Um, what is the cost? Not just like the financial cost of outsourcing, but comparing the opportunity cost of if I'm spending all my time doing this thing that someone else can do just as well, if not better, what am I missing out on? What revenue opportunities 
do I have? That's why I, I outsource a lot of my transcription because, yes, technically I could do it. It would be uncomfortable and painful. Sure. And it would take me twice as long. Yeah. But I'm missing out on all of these other opportunities to serve people doing something that, as it turns out, my mom is really good at. <laughs> so yeah. that's um, definitely been um, game-changing in terms of freeing myself up to focus on things and realizing that I don't have to do it all by myself. Yeah, you talk to someone in the book, who, who, and this is useful for, for uh, people listening who may not even uh, be interested in being their own boss or being an entrepreneur themselves. Um, little things that one can do that can save not only um, time, but but you know, are, are well worth the investment. And that's you know, having your groceries delivered, for example, or uh, things like that, right? Yeah, definitely. I get my groceries delivered, and. It's been a game changer for me to not have to spend the time going to the store, doing the shopping, bringing it back, yeah. and and uh, definitely from like a safety perspective over the pandemic, sure. it's been super yeah. helpful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so um, self doubt, guilt. I mean, these are things that that um, um, you know one that manifest themselves in 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 one's daily life especially you know and we were just talking about learning to to delegate in the sort how do you deal with all that um well for me i just i try to focus on the evidence and when i'm feeling like maybe i can't do this i still look at like well what are the things i have done and how true is that like it might feel like this is really big or this is hard so these are some other times where I did something similar and it worked out. And really looking at what other people have said, like looking at my testimonials from clients mm. and, you know, borrowing their confidence when I need to has been a big help as well. That's a great idea, yeah. The the other thing that um, you write about um, in the book that, that um, I think is useful for everybody is, is, is the idea of gratitude and recognizing that and... Um, I guess we, we, we don't realize how it affects our brains even, right? Oh, for sure. It definitely makes a difference. Um, it's, you know, something that positive psychology uh, has done a lot of research on, and definitely taking the time to be grateful is something that I have done intentionally with my online community in terms of uh, having a regular gratitude practice and checking in about the things that are good. How do you right find- now there's yeah. a lot... That's not good. Sure, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How, how are you finding your your, your uh, time management with regards to social media, to to the Twitter, to Facebook, to Instagram, and, and the sort all these things that that um, um, you know that uh, are are good for us to a certain extent, but can also be bad for us. I mean, do, do, do you find that you're you're looking at that timer on your phone every day? <laughs> well, I definitely spend a lot of time on social media because. I mean, partially it's lead generation. Sure, Most of my yeah. leads come in from social media. But also having to be real about, like, in order to have things to post about, you need to experience life. And this all has to come from somewhere. And, you know, being able to take some time to experience the things that you're going to write about is important. Having a break is part of the process. And while... Sometimes it's just too much input. You get so much information, so much advice, so much content at you, and you need to kind of trust in your own wisdom and your own experience to a certain extent, too, and sometimes taking a step back from social media can help you um, trust yourself more with those decisions. 
Um, you mentioned earlier um, about um, how workplaces or, or employers, I should say, are, are learning to, to adapt to working from home. Um, what has this last year taught you in terms of, um, I mean, because you, you've been doing it, uh, you know, before the pandemic, for a number of years before, um, the, these things that we found useful for, in, in terms of working from home, you, you, you've been putting that in place in your own life, your family life especially. Um, th- that's something that you couldn't, uh, you know, with, with, a, with a young person in your life, you, could, you wouldn't trade that for anything, would you, at the time at home and being able to work from home at the same time? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been some logistical challenges mm-hmm. in trying to operate a business and a classroom out of at the 1,000-square-foot apartment that we also live in mm-hmm. um, that is also under construction. Um, so there have been some challenges for sure, but it's definitely been a blessing to be able to make him lunch and, you know, have little breaks where we watch TikToks and for him to get to learn more about my business and for me to learn more about his school. We've had a lot more opportunities to relate to each other. And also, as much as I was doing this before, with the advent of everybody working from home, or lots of people working from home, definitely there have been some um, improvements around, like, what you can get delivered and how Mm. and how quickly. So this has made things a lot easier. And I think in a lot of ways it normalized my experience in terms of working from home and you know, um, throughout the summer and school breaks, having a child to take care of also. Um, everyone else can now <laughs> relate to that because they've been doing that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I found interesting the, the, the parts of the book where you talk about your writing. Um, because writing is largely a solitary process. Um, and you describe um, these various connections that you've made through through having a, a wider audience. What is what is that feeling? I mean, can you describe that for people listening to this who may not be writers? Um, what it's like to go from from being alone, writing, and then having readers respond to to it. Um, it's been really rewarding because it's not just me creating something and hoping it's good. It's getting to have feedback on how the works have impacted people what's been helpful, what their experience has been like. So it's also been validating in getting those responses. I mean, they're not always positive. Sometimes, you know, trolls exist, and I can get some really, really awful feedback, and that's that's a thing. But definitely it's been great for community building and relationship building and in terms of creating more opportunities. And helping other people see that they can do things too, which has been really great. Uh, another um, way that you suggest people cope uh, um, is writing, and, and you, you talk about, say, um, writing your way out of things. Um, is that something that you suggest that people take up, say? Yeah, I mean, journaling can be super helpful, um, or blogging in terms of being able to shift your perspective and look at things um, from a a broader lens um, can make a big difference in how you're perceiving what's happening and the opportunities to solve problems that you can see. If you can take a step back and write about it, you might be able to sort through some of your feelings, misconceptions, and and interrogate some of the beliefs that you have about the situation that you're in. I could um, spend... um 
another half an hour, say, talking to you about your book because there's just a lot in here that's useful, a lot that's helpful. Uh, I would suggest for people listening is to pick up the book because they'll find something in it that they, they didn't think they needed even. Um, I appreciate your time today, Allison. Congratulations on the book and continued good luck with it. Thank you so very much. I appreciate your time. Her website is at allisontedford.com and her Twitter handle is at Allie Spins. The book is called Chronic Profit, Building Your Small Business While Managing Persistent Pain. It is published by Self-Counsel Press. Its author, Alison Tedford, joined me on the line from Abbotsford in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plata.